Hi everyone, I'm Amy. This is my partner Maggie. Hello. Together we are Thinker Thema and welcome to 2022 and our first episode of Back Chat. We're back. We're back. Yeah. But back kicks, to back. We're back, back to backing. backing. <laughs> yeah. But Kickstarter and GameFound are not exactly back. They are partially back. There are some... They're warming up. They're warming up. The cogwheels are sort of starting to turn and you're sort of hearing the creaking of the noises and the... But it's not in full Is that the creaking of my wallet opening? Yeah, as well. Like the wallet is just kind of like going... going. I wish I could yeah. say that my wallet has been closed over the holidays, but I did a lot of Boxing Day sales. So yeah, that's a different kind Ugh. of. Yeah. So it, they kind of it balances each other out. Does but it? the campaigns have started <laughs> up again, and uh, now there are a few that are kind of acting like the appetizers yeah. um, into you know full campaign season, getting you back in the mood. Yeah, of like oh yeah, yeah, let's look at campaigns. Let's look at you know what have you got to offer? Yeah, yes, okay. but mm. we don't have enough for this episode to do our usual top 10. So what we're going to do instead is a top five. We're Mm -hmm. just going to talk about some campaigns that interested us and maybe that will help you get back into Kickstarter season as well. Um, But first, I actually have a resolution this year about backing. which I haven't shared with you. Okay. Um, So we did a special video called Backtrack where we covered or we spoke about, reflected on um, all of the things that we backed last year in 2021, which Mm. was over 80 campaigns, which is a lot of campaigns. And what I didn't tell you at the time is that I had actually done a little bit of mental arithmetic around what on average one of those pledges would generally cost us. Do I want to know this? And then multiplying it out by 80 plus, And that results in quite a big figure. I don't want to know this. You yes. don't, you don't okay. want to know. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I buy all of our games and, mm-hmm. and Maggie though is a much more, I don't know, you're, you're much better at saying no to these things. I say no you, all the time. Yeah, you yeah, really like, do. Nah, it's fine. We'll wait. You nah, really do. We'll and wait. then like five minutes later, you're like, did we get that game? I'm like, I'm so like, when is that coming? Oh, like, we didn't back. You said not you to back. Told like, oh. me not. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's not get into that. Um, but this year, fiscally, mm-hmm. I want to try and be a little bit more responsible mm. in that, you know, it does add up. And with the shipping crisis and mm. like trying to get things to Australia, um, it means that sometimes, um, you know, obviously it's really expensive, but sometimes the price is quite comparable or it's cheaper to get it at retail. And what I'm finding now is in retail, sometimes they get it at the same time because yeah. they're part of that campaign as well. Yeah. And I really want to start supporting these friendly local game stores a bit more as well. I like supporting the publishers mm. with the kick going direct and the Kickstarters, but we've seen a lot of store closures here in Melbourne, cafes mm. as well, um, that have unfortunately not been able to survive the yeah. pandemic. And I, you know, want to give back to these retailers who, you know, really do a lot to create the board gaming community mm. kind of on the ground, which is really nice. And I, lo- I still love going into physical yeah. stores and being yeah. surrounded by games. Oh, anyway, one of the best feelings. I, like I secretly always talk myself out of it for good reason, but I secretly always want to like own or run a board game store because it's just the being surrounded by all of those games, mm. you know, and that and that sort of shrink wrap smell. All the, yeah, it's just yeah. all the possibilities. But as you were talking about that, and again, we're going to completely digress, and then we'll come back to the uh, the campaigns. But one of the things that I'm thinking is the more you, the more we start backing like essentially buying Kickstarters from our local retailers, mm-hmm. that's going to signal to the retailers to well, p- place bigger orders. That's true. Ideally, for it would mean... Games. Yeah, for Kickstarter mm-hmm. games. Ideally, it would mean if um 
And I don't know if maybe there's something we can do, like talk to some of our uh, local um, gaming stores and go, hey, happy to almost like pre-order with you or somehow support or pre-fund so um, that they know uh, how many more they can You don't order. buy games, but a lot of them do do that. Um, oh. So <laughs> Maggie doesn't buy any games. So. But because um, I'd, like, that would have been a good idea. Clearly, it's a good it idea. Is, it is great. And um, yeah. they are very active and yeah. talking to the community about what Kickstarters are going Let's to be available that. and that kind of thing. So we are going to do more of that. The other part of that is, of course, being a bit more aware of the environmental impact of yes. all of these games traveling out all over the world. We want to minimize our footprint as much as possible but also minimize purchasing as much as possible to not create excess wastage of games mm. that we're really, you know, not sure about. And yeah. so so I want to be more – I think we already discriminate quite well and we will continue to be very authentic in our opinions of campaigns. Absolutely. But please – back responsibly and mm. bear in mind that we have not played most yes. of the games that we're talking yeah. about in this series. So sometimes we get quoted from this series yeah. and, uh, you know, that someone's buying it because we said X, yeah. Y, and Z. But remember, this is our opinions only. But not it's also not even based on the actual gameplay. No. It's based on how excited we are, based on the anticipation we have on the bits and pieces that we can see. So it's And piece just... together. A lot of the time we are trying to piece together the game yeah. as much as you A lot of times we're making assumptions and yes. drawing conclusions of, you know, this wasn't necessarily communicated but I get the feeling that it might work like this it may be completely wrong so this is where yeah please use your discretion Mm -hmm. when you're backing things just because we're excited about it doesn't mean that it's going to be a good game a lot of times we kind of get a game we're like oh that's not the thing that I thought it would be but and that's sometimes part of the is. process. That's part and of the process. Sometimes it's even better. But that's, yeah, that's and, the journey. And, you know, we are still really excited to be doing Patch Hat. And I'm still super excited about campaign season. Um, mm-hmm. So with all of that out of the way, let's get into our top five. And our mm-hmm. number five is... Okay, our number five is The Storymaster's Tales, Threatlore Town. So this is a bit of a different one. So different. So different because... This is a, I believe, both co-op and competitive, potentially, one, two, five-player RPG. It's a hybrid between an RPG, which we never, ever, ever really do, RPG, board game, and game book, mm-hmm. and sort of cards, um, yeah, all thrown into the mix. So I'll, I'll tell you why I started to get into this uh, a little bit more. Obviously, as a themer, I'm discovering a lot more of my story, like my love for story and like rich, rich thematic narrative led type games. This um, past holiday season, your brother facilitated. So Amy's brother facilitated um, an intro uh, D&D. Uh, scenario with us and I had a great time it was our first time playing an RPG and we really enjoyed ourselves I had a great time as well there you go I haven't I'm not as into the genre as Maggie is of course because rolling (laughs) dice and well knowing this I'm sort of going well this is probably something that I'm gonna have to explore and I'm quite comfortable to explore things as a solo. And so it sort of led me down the path of like, well, what are some of the games in this area that I can explore solo? This caught my eye as we were doing our research through um, crowdfunded games. So this is a this is based on like an 18th century uh, Grimm's brother, dark fairy tale type uh, thing or, or era of scenery where you are essentially making your way through creating a character and making your way through all of these different adventures through the woodlands, encountering, you know, magical creatures and then uh, coming up with different treasures. And so the th- that sounds fairly stock standard and straightforward. The thing that, uh, that attracted me to this is one, the artwork. 
I am so attracted to the the aesthetic of this artwork. It's obviously very black and white kind of uh, comic. I guess it's a very specific aesthetic, but it reminds me a lot of uh, the kind of folklore or Mexican uh, artwork that we uh, we fell in love with in Guanajuato when we mm-hmm. went to visit a few a couple of years ago. And I just, I just love it. And it, to one point, like I, there was a map of the the land, and I was like. Amy, look at this map. It just looks so cool. So the artwork in it is what really appealed to me first. And then I realized that they also have created, uh, it's the, the, the person who's designed it runs a, I think it's like an RPG style theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the theatrics around it, they've actually recorded audio, uh, like a narration for the different adventures and for the different quests. So it's got this beautiful ambience of the music and the, you know, this, this amazing voice sort of going, you know, you walk through this place, you encounter this character, and then, you know, what do you do? And it gives you the option. So that's essentially what you're going to be doing. You're going to be encountering different, uh, or creating or finding your way through a, a, a map, which will be different every time you kind of play it, and then encountering all these different adventures and deciding what you're going to do. And obviously that'll shape the story. Fairly straightforward. It sounds like it's also like it's a family-friendly intro thing, which is actually quite good for me mm-hmm. at the moment because mm-hmm. it's like I'm really where you're this. at with your level yeah that's of- my level uh. at the moment <laughs> so just yeah the combination of the artwork the concept the fact that it's kind of guiding you by the hand um and uh yeah the 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 audio recording I'm like yeah I'm really intrigued by yeah this. and the story is actually part of a trilogy so yeah I so the, this kickstarter to get in on this kickstarter there's a limited edition um mm. kind of book and card option I believe it is relatively expensive and so I've been encouraged Encouraging Maggie to maybe get in on the the uh, first chapters, which are yes. readily available on Amazon. Yes, to give it a go, dip your toes in the water, and I'm sure you'll be able to pick up this installment if you really do get into yeah. it. Yeah, so I think that's so. So this is not we're not backing this at this stage, but it's it's something that yeah, it's definitely piqued my interest. Um, um, yeah, hungry for more in this area, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna check out the older campaigns or the older, uh, yeah, domes or, or volumes mm-hmm. to see if um, yeah, there's gonna be something yeah. that. And if you're yeah. new to this series, uh, we go through all campaigns every two weeks, the yeah. previous two weeks campaigns, and we rate them from uh one to ten, and um, we each do that individually. We average it out. That's how we get our ranking. Mm. Um, so you would have seen some numbers flash up on the screen. I gave this one a four. Maggie gave it a seven. So you can see a huge discrepancy in our ratings of this particular game, Mm. but I'm excited to support Maggie. (laughs) Do you know what? I'm probably going to back fewer euros and you're Mm. going to compensate with that by backing all of these RPG. Anyway, that's a later problem. Um, But that is our number five for this week. Yes. So it's the Story Master's Tales, Threat Lore Town. And number four is a game called Mariola's Mission, which is actually quite a unique, or not, it's an interesting concept, I think, overall, because this is a 3D printed, uh, print at home kind of family game with absolutely beautiful miniatures. But obviously, because it's, you know, a print at home thing, you, you know, you would have to have a 3D printer. However, they do have an option where you can just order the minis printed for you the i guess the biggest appeal of this is well one the the ability of being able to print the full game uh, at home that environmental impact Mm -hmm. is you know reduced it becomes more arduous in terms of the process but for someone who's kind of enjoys that that creative aspect or you know for people who are already printing uh 3d uh, or using 3d printers and things like that it's like well it actually adds the whole thing Mm -hmm. these miniatures are gorgeous like Mm -hmm. the actual yeah the 
the characters that they've created are, are yeah, so lovely. The um, yeah, one of the the designers is a a miniature painter as well. Yes, and like yeah, the samples of you know what they look like once completed. If you have that level of skill, I just yeah, I'm sort of in love with them. Yeah, it's really beautiful, yeah. and I am also excited to see more and more of this happening. Um, you know, 3D printers are becoming more common. We have one. We don't have a resin printer, unfortunately. No. Uh, we just have a printer that we use for inserts and um, things that we're not really painting. Um, but it is really encouraging to see that people are getting more and more into this and mm. you're able to create um, this print and play genre is just going to continue to grow and grow. And yeah. we're going to end up with these full, amazing board yeah. games that you can print at home. I um, think that's yeah. where we're headed. And it's and a lot more environmentally friendly. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, yeah. And it, obviously it avoids all of these shipping conundrums. Yeah. And so it's it's really cool to see, um, you know, a campaign that gives you the options mm, of yeah. printing it yourself or having yeah. it printed for you. Yeah. Um, and just being able to kind of mix and match based yeah. on what you've got at home. Yeah. In terms of the game itself, it sort of takes place you're trying to go uh, into this castle and take a group of adventurers into this castle I believe it's four different adventurers mm-hmm. and it's so, competitive yeah and it's competitive so each you know each player uh, gets their own adventurers where it's not their own set of four adventurers and so you're going to be rolling dice to one get your adventurer on the map so each character has I believe asymmetric abilities and asymmetric requirements as well so first to even get them on that player board and then to actually move through uh, to get to the to the castle and so the person who wins is whoever manages to get all four of their adventurers to the castle first, mm-hmm. because there's apparently a very heavy door in there that requires four people to open. But and along the way, you're going to be essentially sabotaging each other. Um, as sabotaging well as each to, other. Uh, and there are yeah. like events that occur yeah. and get triggered as well yeah. that impact positively or negatively yeah. on all players. Yeah. So I think from a gameplay experience, I feel like it might be a bit too simple. Like it's mm-hmm. very family friendly and it kind of feels like it's it's more of a like it's really just a bit of a vehicle to justify the the minis the Mm -hmm. minis are really what's what's most beautiful and and outstanding yeah for me the mechanics are are a little bit simplistic the movement and battle type thing is not really my kind of genre anyway um but i did really think that this was kind of a cool campaign and one to check out so again it's not something that we're backing but yeah cool one might be yeah if you if you're interested in that and so that's our number four mariola's mission now, our number three is a game coming out of Japan, which always piques my interest. Yes. And that game is called Ham Sandwich Shop. Mm. And this game is adorable. So cute. The components are pieces of a sandwich, mm-hmm. and Ham Sandwich Shop refers to the chef, who is, of course, a hamster. Of, of course, course it is. Yes. Of course it is. Yes. Um, and the way that this game is set up is you are creating a rondelle of sorts. So you know how I love a rondelle. Mm-hmm. And the rondelle is going to be made up of all of the sandwich components so all of the ingredients that go into the sandwich Mm -hmm. are going to be included in there like an egg or like some cheese some Mm -hmm. lettuce and some tomato and what you're going to be doing this is a game for two to three players is you're going to be moving around the little hamster and selecting an ingredient to go into one of the three central sandwiches Mm -hmm. at any point when you decide you want to finish one of those three sandwiches, the following must be true. You must be able to find everything that's in that sandwich on the rondelle in front of you. So it's kind of like you're trying to replicate a pattern that appears around the rondelle. The recipe. 
the recipe a pattern <laughs> yes um that is replicated within a sandwich mm-hmm. and once you do that you get to claim that sandwich however there is a little bit of a twist because along the way players get the opportunity to add um hamster chefs from their hand um into the sandwich the hamster hilariously throws the like the entire body onto the sandwich as you would in a real chef kitchen yeah commercial kitchen um and these hamsters either are holding hidden ingredients that you can't see because you put them in face down or they are open armed ready to consume one of the ingredients that is on the sandwich already Mm. which means that you don't know if a sandwich is actually going to be missing a key ingredient or has an additional one thrown in Mm. that means that you may be able to claim a sandwich that nobody knows they can claim Mm. so that is essentially the trick to the game where it's a bit of just deception Mm. it's a very light family-friendly yeah. style game, yeah. but the componentry just looks really high quality. Like I was mm. watching the playthrough and they look really solid, like mm. all of the yeah. ingredients. I love the flat hamster that, that yeah. jumps into the sandwich. Dives, into, dives yeah, on top the of sandwich. the sandwich. Yeah. And then there's a little, this is an add-on, but a little extra uh, wooden token of a hamster that's almost like a rocking hamster. Mm. I don't know if that has any It's a Kickstarter exclusive. Yeah. I don't know. I don't Maybe think it's the any... one that you can move around. All right, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I don't, it doesn't need to rock. No, but it's super cute. I love it. Yeah. It's like, I wouldn't, like, if it can rock, well, why not? You know? Yeah. Yeah. If so, can, yeah. If you're looking for, I guess, a light but kind of fun, uh, funny game to play mm. perhaps with children, I think for us, it's probably a little too light yeah. as much as every part of me <laughs> wants to back this <laughs> it's game. So beautiful. Uh, it's yes. so beautiful. Um, we won't be backing this one, no. but check it out if uh, you are looking for a lighter game experience and one that's very cute. That is our number three ham sandwich shop. Our number two this episode is a game called Blazon. Yes, in Blazon we are playing as Harold, which I didn't know this. You hear the term a lot, mm-hmm. but the Harold was actually the uh, the group of people in charge of overseeing the rules of how you design coat of arms. So you know, in a shield, you have those you know those those illustrations that represent that could represent you know a family or a group of a particular you know or an army or whatever it is. So so that illustration, um, yeah, that's that's your your. your what is it? Yeah, it's an arms. Yeah, mm. coat of arms. Family coat of arms. Yeah, yeah, family crest. So, so the thing with this is, what you're trying to do is, as the the herald, you're trying to become the king of arms. Essentially, have the most prestige, be the most famous person that can uh, get the the absolute best. Uh, shield designed mm-hmm. based on the very strict requirements of what things can and cannot be put together. So that's my thematic explanation, and that will make no sense unless you start talking about like <laughs> well, what, what it actually how it actually translates. The game itself is quite abstract. That's what I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Everyone is going to have a player board. This is a game for one to four players, the form and of a shield yeah, you like. have this quite large player board which is in the shape of a shield Mm -hmm. and you're going to be playing cards from your hand down into this tableau area which is going to form a pattern of different shields those shields on each card have strict requirements in terms of where they can be placed and Mm -hmm. what they can be adjacent to 
And what you're going to be doing is trying to build that out most effectively because there's quite a clever way that you um, place cards down in that when you place a card down, you need to be able to discard a certain number of cards from your hand as well, but they also have requirements. So Mm. in order to even play down, you need to be able to discard. But then when you're playing down, there's also strict rules on your shield. Um, So it looks like it would be quite an interesting puzzle. Mm. Um, But then the part that I like about it most of course is the race element because there are a central set of objectives or milestones that the first person to hit those milestones based on the patterns they're achieving on their board or mm. um, I think I believe there's a bit of set collection in there um, you are going to mm. get more victory points and from what I understand this game plays relatively quickly in 20 yeah. to 30 minutes yeah. um, so it seems like a really quick but interesting puzzle mm. for me it's like quite a big game for like the amount, like for a 20 minute game and one, oh, a game yeah. based on cards. It mm. does take up quite a bit of table space. I was thinking yeah. about, I've, I've only seen playthroughs with two players, but with four, mm. yeah. I feel like it would take up a lot of, yeah, a lot of room. Those individual, yeah, the, yeah, those individual shields, which I thought, you know, the concept mm. of it is quite cool because yeah, you're, that's where you're playing. Mm. But yeah, I think the, because the cards, you know, I think they're kind of squarish type cards. Yeah, it would take a lot of space. Takes up quite a bit of space. Yeah, but yeah. Um, we've also been playing a lot of games recently. It seems to be a little bit of a trend. Um, yeah. Perhaps started by, I guess, the Calico puzzles and the the wave mm-hmm. of those games where it's all about the adjacencies and placement. Mm. Then we played um, Village Green, which is quite similar. Yeah. Uh, the Whatnot Cabinet. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of these games about like the the strict rules of the the card placement. Yeah, and um, I'm like, I guess I'm not looking for another one. That's maybe why this is a little bit more suppressed. Yeah. And I think it was the, ab- the abstract nature of it. It's a little but, bit abstract for you. Yeah. I will say I actually personally really like the art style by Ian mm. O'Toole, who is amazing. And the most incredible thing about Ian is that every game that he designs mm. seems so radically different that it could almost yeah. be a different design, like a different illustrator, different designer. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do feel the sense of there is a, I do feel like an aesthetic thread yes but they individually are very style yeah yeah, tailored to Mm. the game which is yeah very commendable and i i like this one because it was quite minimalistic but Mm. it was slightly too minimalistic for you yeah it's a bit too yeah i i like i think because i like color so i like things that are a little bit louder and there's yeah yeah, i I really like the box art i'm really surprised Mm. there's not more of the box art mm. in the game because yeah. I would have liked that. Yeah, it maybe is very, that it does style. feel different. Yeah, yeah. it's a kind of like, it feels a, little like a different, different aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but anyway, if you are looking to back this one, one great thing about the campaign is it's only $17 shipping to Australia, which oh, is amazing. Yeah. Um, so they've obviously negotiated some kind of great deal on that, which is fabulous. Mm. Um, there are two choices between a regular edition and a deluxe edition. The regular is 35 US. The deluxe is 50 US for the extra 15 US. US dollars. Um, you're getting wooden components. Um, for me, this game relies quite heavily on the card play. Yeah. I wouldn't actually, if I was purchasing this game, if I was um, backing this campaign, I'd go in at the regular level. Mm. Um, but because I'd go in at the regular level, that means that I'm I'm kind of tempted to just wait and see with this one, perhaps pick it up at retail. Mm. I, I was amused when you said I wouldn't. It's like, oh, like, Wood, like wood, comp- a wood. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Which is actually one of the things that I really enjoy. Like from the components p- uh, point of view, the the wooden components mm. of the animal, the achievement animal tokens, mm-hmm. and even the little ink 
the little ink bottle and oh, feather yes. uh, wooden nice. tokens like yeah. yeah those those i'm like i'm quite yeah I, I like those elements yeah yeah i think that's because for me this is an abstract puzzle yeah. and so for me it's kind of stripped down to the abstract yeah puzzle, so yeah, i don't yeah, need yeah. all that as much uh, i don't yeah. know i don't know what that rationale is but yeah. there you go mm. um so that is our number two blazon and our number one for this episode is a game called Dompierre, which is based on Dompierre Perignon, which, uh, you know, if we shorten it, Dom Perignon, uh, which is the, the champagne. So this is based on the actual, uh, back in the, I believe, oh, now it's like, it's going to test me. Why didn't I write this down? Is it 17th century, 17th or 18th century? I'll, I'll correct it on the screen if I got that wrong. Where the the discovery of, of champagne kind of happened, of of when the process of using these particular um, uh, grapes and creating this wine that was quite sparkly mm-hmm. and and but quite sweet as well. Which initially, apparently, the sparkly thing is like, oh, you know, this is not you know, this is not good because it's not the way wine should be. And then it actually became the thing that you know, and the sweetness of it, it became the thing that made it like highlighted it, made it even better. And so this is about yeah, obviously Dom. Perignon, the uh, the champagne, the very famous champagne. That's sort of the the relation to that. So in this game, we're all playing as managers of a maison de the maison de champagne. So the champagne being the 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 region where champagne comes from. And so what we're going to be trying to do is we're going to try to create, make sure that our brand or our name or our maison is the most prestigious of all of the ones in the region. So mm-hmm. it's not just about money. It's actually more importantly about prestige. Which is why prestigious instead of victory points exactly. in this game. Is the main, be, yeah, the that main is how thing. you will win. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, the things that we're going to be doing are going to be obviously uh, make getting those uh, getting those grapes turning them into uh, into champagne and uh, then selling them selling them trading them and but also making sure that, that it's more about the the fame or how well you're doing this because mm-hmm. that's what's going to be gaining the prestige of the quality of of the wine that we're going to be yeah. producing and if you're a fan of euros this one probably caught your eye as well as it did us um, because we looked at it and i thought hey that looks a lot like viticulture <laughs> as i'm yeah. sure a lot of people have it's set in that kind of similar winemaking world mm. and the color tones are all very similar yes. but the game does seem to play quite differently and um um, I have sat through quite a lot of playthrough summaries now because um, the campaign itself, mm. I don't think, did a very good job of selling the game mechanics because the game yeah, mechanics... The play, like uh, how it plays. Yeah. Mm. Uh, actually, for me, the most interesting part about this game, mm. I love the the setting. I love mm-hmm. what it's based on. Um, but then the mechanics are is this uh, player board action selection system where you've got six different actions that you can take that escalate as the game goes on. The more you take a particular type of action the more it enables you to do that action in a more powerful way or more times which is really intriguing but my favorite thing about it is that you can only do each type of action five times Mm. and once you've done it five times the little marker to show you how many times you've taken that action comes off your player board and goes onto the main board and becomes the timer for the game to end Mm -hmm. and I love that as a concept because I can imagine in that last part of the game where you're thinking about what you want to do and in order to take an action that you might want to do it might trigger the end game which means that you might not be able to get what you want to get done Mm. by the end of the game and so I can just see how that would become really interesting and also um, just 
being able to plan ahead for the number of times that you can do certain types of actions as well. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think the thing that I'm most intrigued about is that personal player board where you've got all these action tokens where you have, there's also this tension between as those tokens are going up on one side, it's got the power of, of that token or for that, for that action. But on the other side, it's got a cost. Mm-hmm. And so you're always going to, for things that cost you, um, money, you're going to be paying, I believe the lowest. So your marker that is at its lowest point, mm-hmm. which would incentivize you to keep something, you know, suppressed or lower down. But at the same time, it means that that action is going to be very weak. So, and again, it's going to be eventually a timer that to end the game. So I think those tensions are going to make the game feel quite, quite tight and exciting. And and I love, I love tension in a game. If you Mm. know our game reviews, you'll know that that is something I love a game that puts me under pressure. Apparently the money is quite tight in this game Mm -hmm. as well, which is, you know, something that I love in a game where it's just excruciating to think about your moves, which kind of makes you think ahead. Mm. Um, So I'm quite excited about this game and was really ready to back this game. Just about to hit back when I looked at the shipping cost to Australia. It is sixty US dollars wow. to ship this yeah. game to Australia. That's a whole game. That's a whole we, new game. It is a whole new game, and it's just you know one that's like I don't mm. know eighty five Australian dollars, which is a lot. That and is quite a lot. so, unfortunately, I will not be backing this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I will hopefully be able to find a way to purchase this from a friendly local game store. Yeah. Um, because I am really intrigued by the game, and it is a theme. That, you know, yeah. it's hard for us to find things that we like because yeah. of space and fantasy and yeah. everything else. <laughs> so, And it's like, you know, it's like a dry euro. I would yeah. say euro style. Technically, a dry euro is only uh, a game if it comes from the dry euro uh, province in France. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a sparkling worker placement. <laughs> I, I put a lot of thought into that. I just realized that that is the joke. That's my <laughs> dad joke for all of you. Uh, yes, it's a terrible Okay, one, so before that's... we started recording, Maggie said, I have a joke. And I said, well, don't tell it's, me. I, I said, I'm going to try and do a champagne joke and see if, um, yeah. Oh, I'm glad I waited. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did it surprise and delight you? It surprised me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, it delighted me of, uh, yeah, how it landed. Not at all. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for watching. That is our, I don't even know what number episode of Back Chat, yeah. um, but it is kicking off Back Chat for 2022. So hopefully you're still with us after. My terrible dad <laughs> joke. Terrible yes. Jokes. Yes. No, we're all here for Maggie's puns and jokes. <laughs> Let's be puns. honest. Thank you so much for watching. If you're not subscribed already, please subscribe to the channel. It really helps us out. Hit like if you enjoyed this video and we'll be back with more board game reviews really soon. But otherwise, bye for now. Bye.